This is the podcast that flips the health and wellness industry upside down so you can be your healthiest inside and out. I'm your host, Dr. Neil Smoller, holistic pharmacist, supplement strategist, and I'm here to bring the fever, whatever that means. <laughs> so today's episode is Sleep Support Simplified for the Sexy Supplement Savvy. <laughs> I'm just going to do S words the whole time. Uh, It's sleep month, so I'm here to break down sleep silliness and simplify sleep so success seems straightforward. (laughs) How's that sound in your ear? (laughs) I'm doing a sleep podcast, and I had the worst night's sleep of my life last night, and I didn't get any espresso. So this is all natural craziness here, as you can see in my hair, my quaff. Um, Yeah, I didn't drug up with a double espresso, so here I go. Let's see what we can do. Hopefully, I just didn't blow out your ears. Um, Visit wellnessupsidedown.com for all things podcast-related, including signing up for the premium membership, which just basically says, hey, you're helping me pay the bills here. Uh, please subscribe to the show for your favorite on your favorite podcast app and even over on YouTube and give us a five-star review as often as you can each and every episode because my ego requires it. Uh, here's the pre-show affirmation. If you're f- uh, just coming to me for the very first time, you're a first-time listener, you, you got to know I'm a fan of supplements done right. But I'm not a fan of the deceptive practices of the health and wellness industries. So if you hear me ranting about something or dropping some truth bombs, you know, I'm not ranting against you. I'm not beating up on you. I'm just trying to help you out. I know that you tried something based on what you found, but I want to rage against this machine of misinformation and hype that got somebody like you down this wrong path. And that's what we're here to do. So today's show again, sleep support simplified. I think the best thing to know before we get started here is that everything that I know about sleep isn't just made up in my head or doesn't come from some blog article out there. Uh, It's from another Neil. It's from Dr. Neil Stanley, author of the book, How to Sleep Well. He's a globally recognized sleep specialist, and he was on Oprah and stuff. He was on my podcast, The Big Mouth Pharmacist. Way back on episode 19, he you know, showed up and did a great show. And then actually we kept in touch for a little bit after. I should probably reach out to him, say what's up. Um, but he kind of hooked me up with some of his sleep uh, expert people, researchers, scientists and stuff. And I learned so much. So I bring that flavor here to you. And so uh, in the show notes, there will be a link to that podcast episode. So today there's going to be four sleep segments. Uh, one, it's simple, falling asleep and more. The second one, myths of nighttime awakening. Three, melatonin. It's a horrible idea. And four, how you should think about medicine and supplements for sleep. So let's dive in. All right. As you can see, if you're a YouTuber, I just took my headphones off and I feel like a little self-conscious because it changes the shape of my head. So I'm looking at my face in the video and going, oh, is that really what I look like? So I'm just kind of like messing with my hair a little bit to kind of quaff it out. Anyway, so falling asleep and more. How do you sleep, right? Well, the internet tells us that you need a watch and then you need a device and you need a gizmo and a gadget to tell you what your sleep score is and to monitor your sleep, to make sure that you're getting the best kinds of sleep ever. Uh, They dump these 
numbers at you and say, you've got a 76% last night. And when I got a 76% in school, some people felt good about that. I didn't. Um, so, you know, I, I start, you know, beating myself up. Oh, man, I'm a C student when it comes to sleep. That's weird, right? And, you know, you hear about people online that are just sleeping so great and you can too, but you're not, right? The media is constantly talking about sleep, but they don't talk about sleep. They talk about the perfect sleep and how you need to have perfect sleep and how sleep cycles are this magical, consistent thing. And there's all the social pressure, right? And it's just like with all the other things, wellness, you know, not only do you have the repercussions of poor sleep to contend with, but you now have to feel bad too. And that's really lame from my perspective, right? It's not your fault, though they make it seem like it's your fault. You know, if you don't have their magic fix, their routine, the special combination that they put out there, you know, you're a problem. It's your problem. You know, the people that have this concoction, this mix, this formula, they sleep great and you should feel bad because you don't have it. And I say F all of that. <laughs> That's the best way I could say it. You know, so even the things that really matter, like I mentioned, sleep cycles or sleep hygiene, as it's called, um, you know, all of those things are super, super important, right? But they're misinterpreted and then incorrectly discussed. And then they're stressed over and worried about to a point that, you know, at best isn't really helping you sleep. And it's a lot. Our cultural obsession with sleep and our pursuit of the perfect night's sleep hurts us, right? And it's an overcomplication when it really doesn't need to be. And so here's the opposite. Instead of an overcomplication, here's an oversimplification to help us better understand sleep and then take some of this pressure off. So first, a bad night's sleep only matters if it affects you. Right. I just said one of the most obvious statements <laughs> ever made, right? But if you think about it, if you get a bad night's sleep, and your day isn't horrible, does it really matter, right? It only matters because of that social pressure. It wasn't a perfect night's sleep, so it's not going to, you know, and then we start telling all of the stories about what could happen and what should have happened. And the best way to do it is just to take the owl, man, take the loss. You know, you didn't have a good night's sleep. You might not be your best self, but you're getting through it and it's not that big of a deal, you know, no judgment. Stop with the stories. Um, you know, we're led to believe that sleep can be optimized. And I'm here to tell you that let's simplify that. No, like your sleep score doesn't need to be a 92 in order for you to be a good person. Right. And, you know, if it is more than one night's bad sleep and it's a lot of days in a row and you're not ha healthy, you know, you don't feel healthy because you're run down. You're not happy. You're not thoughtful anymore. You know, that's something that needs to be addressed, but it's not because you're doing something wrong. Don't beat yourself up. Right. So the first way we simplify our sleep is to stop the sleep suffering, you know, back to our meditation and mindfulness uh, episodes and those lessons, you know, our mental well-being is a big part of this. You know, there's pain and there's suffering. So the pain is, is that I didn't sleep very well and now I'm not 100 percent me. Suffering, though, is saying that, you know, there's something wrong with me. I'll never sleep well again and I'll never feel healthy again. And that doesn't work, man. You know. You could say that you're not doing the right things to optimize your sleep and, you know, there's something wrong with you, but that's all suffering. So I say simplify sleep by focusing on reality. I didn't sleep well and it's affecting me. X and Y. No judgment. Continuing with this theme of simplifying sleep, let's reduce 
all of those potential sleep problems to two specific categories, the inability to fall asleep and the inability to stay asleep. So in one night, you can have both and you can wake up a bunch of times. But what I'm saying is like, there's two main events that most of us are going to contend with when it comes to the difficulty sleeping. So, you know, I guess like the reason that I want to clarify that and simplify that is because when you do your sleep research, you'll find that they talk about all these different types of insomnias and the causes and, and such. And it's really best to just bring it back to those two things, the inability to fall asleep and the inability to stay asleep. So let's look at that first bin, falling asleep. And so the other Dr. Neil says it really well. He says, you know, in order to fall asleep, it's way simpler than all of those articles and such make it. All you need are three things. I call them the sleep trinity. Um, you need a calm mind, a calm body, and a comfortable environment. And so all of that outside advice that you hear about, this is what you need to sleep, and you need this device, and this yoga, and this lavender, and all of that stuff, all of that can get reduced down to three bins. If you're in bed, and you're thinking about all the things you need to do, or you have aches in your hips, or you're laying on a bed of nails, falling asleep is going to be difficult because you don't have a calm mind, a calm body, or a comfortable environment, right? So the sleep hygiene, those practices that you can do before bed to help you sleep better, supplements, drugs, all they are doing is to make one or more of those things true, right? Valium, its cousin Ambien, can definitely calm your mind. It's going to calm your body too. CBD, valerian, 5-HTP, magnesium even, all of these are taken for their sedative effects and or their relaxation properties. It's literally muscle and body relaxation is what they do. And so stretching, yoga, daily exercise, all of that stuff is running us like dogs. So that way we get all that energy out and we're not like up all night. It calms our body so we can fall asleep easier. All the aromatic stuff creates calm, comfortable environments, having your sleep number mattress dialed in perfectly to you, and lighting control, making sure that there's not bright blue lights in your face. All of that creates comfortable environments for you to sleep. So it can be simplified by looking at falling asleep as three things that are needed, calming your mind, calming your body, creating a comfortable environment. So that's how you can conquer the chaos of all the sleep misinformation as well, because all of the stuff that's out there can just get put into one of those three bins. So when you read it, you can say, okay, well, where does it fit? How does it fit into those three things, right? Which problem am I having as an individual? When I lay down, can I sleep? And if I can fall asleep, then great, more power to you. But if you can't, which one of those three problems are doing it for you. Which ones are the things that are bug bugging you, right? So this reminds me of our lessons from meditation and mindfulness. We talked about the pain and suffering connection, but it, it actually plays well here too because of the idea of simple but not easy. Anybody that's done meditation can tell you that it's simple, but it's certainly not easy. I have to just focus my breath at the end of my nose. Well, good luck because <laughs> you're going to be wrestling that, that bear in your head that wants to, you know, Think about all the different things. And so sleep is like that. Sleep is a simple thing. You just have to have a calm mind, calm body, and a comfortable environment. Some nights that will come easily to you, but some nights it won't. Some night it absolutely sucks, just like me last night, right? But no judgment. That's the important part. No suffering. Ignore all of that stuff that's out there 
uh, around sleep and focus on these three things and trying to simplify it and stop obsessing over it. Don't beat yourself up, man. That's not making it easier for you to sleep. So when you're trying to evaluate, how do I sleep better? Well, am I not falling asleep easily? And if you're not, which one of those three things, the sleep trinity, am I not doing correctly? Or can I improve? And what steps should I be taking to make those things better? All right, let's talk about this myth of nighttime awakening. Hmm, What does that mean? So let's say you're one of those people who can fall asleep super easily, right? You're one of those people who can fall asleep easily. (laughs) I hope you got that reference. That's police squad. I hope you're a nerd enough to know what that is. (laughs) But anyway, so if you have difficulty staying asleep, that's a different problem. Remember, it fit. We have two main insomnia problems that we're dealing with: the inability to fall asleep and the inability to stay asleep. Right? You're waking in those midnight hours. Most people will tell me, you know, our assumption is that we're waking up because of anxiety, and that connection makes a ton of sense. When we finally realize that we're awake, our mind's normally spinning its wheels, right? And the truth is, there's normally some preceding event that stirs you. And in that like mid-awake state, your mind starts to do the Tasmanian devil nonsense, right? That's my impression of a Tasmanian devil from Looney Tunes. Waking up in the middle of the night normally points to something, some other problem that's waking you up, right? And let's call that like a biological problem, right? Because there's a cause. There's something potentially medically wrong that needs to be addressed, and it can be a problem. So you need to pee, right? You have a hot flash. You're in pain. You have two-year-old triplets that howl like wolves in the middle of the night to get your attention. And I wish I was making that last one up, but that's what my kids did. Rowan would howl. I called him Teen Wolf, right? Ava, the podcast executive here, she used to say, uh, scream at the top of her lungs just because she wanted everybody to wake up so she could they could hear how loud she could scream. And this is at like two in the morning. So your body has this issue. There's something going on and it says, hey, wake up, right? Just like my kids would say, hey, I've got an issue. Time to wake up, right? And, you know, it's it's rallying you and it's trying to get you to pay attention to it so the problem can be addressed. So, you know, for most of us, sleeping soundly through the night will only happen when you finally address that thing or things that are waking you. So if you have babies, here's my recommendation. You put them in a dog kennel a couple floors down, then you won't hear them screaming. (laughs) I can't even. (laughs) Seriously, though, like parents that reach out to me about their insomnia, I just say, got to white knuckle it, man. So you can work on the baby sleep habits, but hopefully this is something that they're going to age out of. If not, they got to go in the basement or in the shed or something. (laughs) So there are a number of things that aren't our kids or dogs that can be a problem, right? The us things. And I want to highlight three main problems that wake people up in the middle of the night because it's really important to talk about these three specific things. The first problem, breathing difficulties and sleep apnea, okay? If you're waking up in the middle of the night and you can't put your finger on it, right? You can't find something obvious, no doggy, no kid, no bladder, no bladder, nothing like that, right? I recommend a sleep study. There's a chance that you might have a mild apnea that's been undiagnosed, or at least that's what my sleep doctor friends have told me, 
or, and advise me to tell patients. You know, these breathing problems don't go away and they can lead to severe problems. And so if there's any chance that it's like difficulty breathing or related to that in any way, don't delay. It's time to tag in an expert as soon as possible. And guess what? If you don't know, if you don't have a reason that you're waking up in the middle of the night, that's another great reason to tag in an expert. So waking up in the middle of the night is medical. And if you can't say clearly that there's something that's doing it, you got to see an expert. And that expert may test you for breathing problems. And it may be slight, but it may be enough that could accumulate over time. And certainly it's disrupting your sleep, so it should be addressed. So the second thing is this cramping or restless leg syndrome. So, you know, just a semantics thing to talk about. Restless leg is a very specific neurological condition. Okay. A lot of us experience twitching or cramping, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you have restless leg syndrome. So if you're cramping and twitching, it doesn't matter what you call it. It just matters that it's disrupting your sleep. So let's address that. And if we live a holistic life, we'll do those wellness practices regularly, right? And those practices should include good hydration, getting drated, as we said on earlier episodes, or even stretching. Those kinds of things are great wellness practices for a number of reasons, but certainly for somebody who's legs and like extremities are cramping up or, or twitching while they're trying to rest. But if you're checking off all those boxes already and the cramping persists, a short course of something like chelated magnesium can help relax those muscles a little bit, or even a, a topically applied magnesium gel or cream. It's worth a shot trying, but if that doesn't work, it's time to tag in an expert, right? Finally, the bladder problems, right? And this is me. This is my sleep problem. <laughs> this is my deficiency. Uh, you know, I'm up two to three night times a night peeing. And it's, again, I'm not judging myself. I know it's all me. It's my fault. And it's, it's not my bladder. I know clearly that it's not my bladder because I drank, you know, three 10-ounce glasses of water or, or booze. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, water between 8 and 10 o'clock to get caught up on the stuff that I missed during the day and I'm super thirsty, right? And so I know that for me it's the fluids. So here's my advice to anybody that's getting up in the middle of the night to determine what's really going on, right? So if, if you're waking up to pee, cut yourself off for a few nights, right? So three nights make it three hours before bed that you have no drink. And if you have food, make sure it's not rich in like water. So like don't eat a watermelon, don't have lots of ice cream or, or smoothies or something like that. And so if you do this strictly, you cut yourself off three hours before bed for three nights and you're still getting up, that's a good sign, right? You've done a great experiment. You now know that there may be a bladder or prostate or urinary tract issue that needs a medical, that, that needs medical attention. Tag in that expert as soon as possible, right? And so, again, these are the three common reasons folks wake up in the middle of the night, at least what's presented to me. And I wanted to address them because, you know, it's all three of those things are common, but all three of those things could be signs of something serious. And just because you're not sleeping doesn't mean it's something that a doctor shouldn't be invo involved in and a doctor shouldn't help you with. So just make sure that that's part of our conversation. So in our holistic care plan for nighttime awakening, I believe it's called maintenance insomnia, if you were looking at the official definition, um, it involves identifying the cause of the problem and then addressing it, right? But you might be saying to me, but Neil, who cares? I'm awake right now. What do I do? 
And now we see the other part of the real issue. The first is, is what's awakening me, right? And the second issue was how do I fall back asleep? So, aha, right? Waking up in the middle of the night is not a one problem thing. It's a two problem thing. It's addressing the thing that's wakening you and then trying to fall back asleep, right? And how do you fall back asleep? Well, simply, right? That's what we just talked about in the last segment. You need a calm mind, a calm body, and a comfortable environment, and then you'll fall back asleep. But I've also been a human for long enough to know that that's not true either. (laughs) Sometimes you're rested enough and you have a choice to make. So do I take something to induce some drowsiness and fall back asleep? Or do I get up, be productive for a little bit, and then fall asleep later? Right? Is it wiser for me to get up now and just be a little bit tired throughout the day and maybe go to sleep earlier tonight? Or do I lay here and like try to put my brain in a rear naked chokehold and win and go back to sleep? Right? And this is a personal decision. This is something that you have to kind of think about. I, I think no matter what, though, you're going to lose. <laughs> right? There's, there's no real good decision here because we've all experienced this. Right? We're going to discuss medicines and supplements and other segments, but you know, you can be sedated the next day because of what you chose to take, right? You could be sluggish and tired because you chose to get up early and just do your thing, right? You might be a little bit more productive in those hours, but in general, your day is going to be kind of not the same. And you could also be dragged out because you you know, you know you were up for an hour or two trying to get yourself to go back to sleep. And when you finally did, it was too close to being awake again. So like I said, there's almost like no winning when you wake up in the middle of the night. And that's why it's so important for us to really address the, the, the thing, the thing that's causing us to wake up to begin with. But, you know, the theme here is to simplify this for you. And I hope at least this has been enlightening, right? So if we wake up in the middle of the night, we have two problems that we have to solve. Addressing that cause, what woke us and how do I stop that? And how do I easily fall back asleep or do I even bother? All right. So this next segment is a little bit of a nearly mind blower because a lot of people will be like, oh, wow, that's weird. I've never heard that before. Right. Melatonin is a horrible, horrible idea. And, you know, here's the thing. You need to know two things about melatonin to understand where I'm coming from. First, Melatonin only causes sedation, well, at least as most people use it, as a side effect, right? And two, we're one of the few countries in the world where melatonin isn't really respected as a potentially dangerous compound, right? Um, Other countries, researchers, they call it indiscriminate melatonin use, and it's something that they fight against. So we'll start with that one. So not only is melatonin prescription only in most countries, the doses that are prescribed for melatonin are a fraction of what we use here, right? People are using anywhere between 0.3 to 1 milligram of melatonin. That's normally the upper limit. And if you get 1 milligram of melatonin, you might raise some eyebrows because people think that's even too high, right? Meanwhile, here, people are gobbling down 10 milligrams. We had a, a vet when I worked for the VAs that was that was taking 20 milligrams of melatonin a day. And we had to do research to determine if that's going to be safe for them, right? So, you know, Here's another kind of aside important point when we talk about anything health and wellness related, it's okay and you shouldn't be afraid to look outside of the United States health bubble, right? 
What do the consumer advocacy groups, government bodies, medical expert groups of other countries say? What are their rules? What are their limits? What's their basis or justification? Is it in line with what we are saying, right? It's enlightening to see it, right? To understand how other folks are dealing with the same problems that we are, right? But back to melatonin. So it's only causing the sedation as a side effect. So let me explain that a little bit more. Our common belief is that melatonin is a sleep hormone, and it's not, okay? It's best described as a darkness hormone. Melatonin is secreted by our bodies as the sun starts to go down, normally around 8, 9 o'clock, and it signals all parts of the brain and the body that, hey, it's dark. <laughs> really, that's it. And then that sets off a cascade of events that says it's time to sleep. Right? So melatonin does have a direct sedative effect, and you know that'll make you go to sleep. But that comes with baggage, and that's the part that we have to understand. The baggage is a boulder stuffed in your carry-on luggage. <laughs> so you know it's a sleep effect, but it's coupled with what's called a circadian phase shift. So your circadian rhythm is the rhythm of life, the waking and sleeping kind of rhythm. And so what happens is like it shifts that. It can push that if it's used incorrectly. And it's a chronobiotic. It messes with your clocks. So again, you can be sedated by melatonin, but just understand it comes with some pretty serious baggage. So if you take lots of melatonin, and you're taking it at the wrong time, you're going to sleep, but you're going to shift out what your body perceives to be nighttime. And, you know, that will in turn change what your body perceives to be daytime. So I'm not saying that melatonin isn't vital or it's a good option for people. It, it is under the right circumstances and at the right doses. Melatonin's amazingly beneficial to shift workers or people that are traveling across time zones, but only used in the right way. And it's really kind of an a science on how you do it. You can't just take it as you get on the plane. So people that need help with their sleep cycle, they have diseases of their sleep cycle, blind people, melatonin is awesome, right? But hint, that's not most of us, right? So in fact, it's relatively few of us, if we are honest. So it's this indiscriminate use of melatonin that's the problem, right? It messes with your clocks, especially at high doses and when not used correctly. And when I say use correctly, what does that mean? So we're taking something that signals to your body that it's dark. Well, then what happens if we then blast our lights or we have our big blue screens, our 90-inch TVs rocking that Stranger Things stu such stuff or like any of the other shows that are on there, right? Aren't those mixed signals? We're telling our body it's dark, but then we're bombarding our eyes and our brains with light. So melatonin used correctly is timing it to help with the needed phase shifts when it's needed, dosed appropriately, much less than what we use, all in conjunction with proper light cues, right? Closing your blinds early so that way it gets darker inside your house, not having bright lights on all the time, right? Going by candlelight even, right? Opening the shades at night as you go to bed so when you wake up, the bright light comes in early. Right? It takes work to use melatonin correctly. And the sedative effects of melatonin are easily accomplished by a number of different products that don't have the same downsides, the same effects on our turtle clocks or circadian rhythm. So there, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me to use melatonin. 
So here's the real problem. And I said it before, but I'm going to say it again. The real problem about melatonin is that I might be the first guy that you've heard say that. (laughs) That's kind of a theme with this podcast, right? (laughs) I'm the first guy to say, get your hair fixed. (laughs) But anyway, so a review article on melatonin references our excessive use. So you know, I told you, Dr. Neil Stanley hooked me up with his nerdy friends. I, you know, stalked them and, you know, spent some time understanding all of his stuff a little bit better. And so one of the authors in their paper wrote, in 1996, it was estimated that the sales of melatonin in the United States exceeds those of vitamin C. Hmm. And we talk about vitamin C quite a bit and how overused that is. So much so that there was a global shortage of melatonin because of the United States coming on board and using it more, right? And we use it because it's natural and it's strong. And we know it has something to do with circadian rhythm, so that has something to do with sleep, right? But we really don't understand what we're taking. And I can point at consumers and say, guys, you got to get it together here and you should know this stuff. But I'm really pointing at the professionals, especially the wellness, quote unquote, professionals, right? But definitely conventional practitioners. I hear people all the time, my doctor said, just try melatonin. And I get what the doctor's saying. Just try something over the counter to help you sleep. But they're not fully understanding the impact of this natural supplement, especially because most people selling melatonin don't know how to tell people how to use it. So, So for all those reasons, and because better and less, I guess, complicated products exist, I say that melatonin is a horrible idea. All right, let's drive her home here. So we talked about simplifying sleep, dropping all of the bad judgment. We talked about falling asleep. We talked about waking up in the middle of the night. And then we talked about melatonin. And in each of those, we uncovered something that I hope you hadn't heard before, at least a perspective that you hadn't thought of before. So let's talk about medications and supplements for sleep and really get to the heart of this whole thing, right? Somebody comes into my store and says, Neil, I need help sleeping. And I said, Well, yeah, I can put you in a coma if you want. (laughs) So (laughs) drug-induced comas are an option from Woodstock Vitamins. Or I partner with a health food store um, for, you know, nutritional stuff. I actually partner with a hardware store for sleep stuff, and it's just the hammer section, and we just bonk you on the head like it's uh, Flintstones or something like that, right? Um, You're going to be out if you want to with medicines or supplements or otherwise, trust me, we can get you out. So the question then becomes is like, what do we really want from these things? And what do we want our sleep support products or medicines to do for us? And the better question, I guess, is what do we expect? What have we come to expect as consumers in this country? What is the wellness industry, the hype machine sold us? What are the false promises that we now expect from our products. And, you know, they promise that you can take this magic safe pill a moment before you wish to, you know, fall asleep. Like it's 1159. I just finished binge watching TV. I want to be asleep by 12. I'm going to take this thing. Right. And Dr. Neil Stanley says, you know, comedically, then they, we want to die for eight hours. We just don't want to exist (laughs) for eight hours. And then we want to wake up feeling completely refreshed with no adverse feelings from that thing that just performed that miracle. (laughs) You can't even like walk down the street without being winded. How are we going to do something like that and not have some sort of adverse event, right? So that's not how medicine or supplements or 
anything pharmacologically active actually works. You know, if it's strong enough to zonk us out for a period of time, that means it's going to be potent and that means it's going to be long lasting. And that means you're going to probably have a hangover effect from it. If it's gentle enough to just nudge us into sleep, that means it's probably going to wear off pretty soon. And that could be good, but that isn't what we expect from it. Right. So I'm here to tell you that you don't want this with your sleep support therapies. You don't want any product, supplement or otherwise, that overrides those sensors that awaken you in the middle of the night. You know, for whatever reason, you're getting awoken. You want to wake up, right? And if you need help falling asleep, you know, you just want to calm your mind, calm your body or make your environment comfortable. But that effect should be subtle, just enough to help you move into sleep gently. If your insomnia problem is that you're waking up in the middle of the night, you don't want something that's going to help it help you not wake up. You want to wake up, right? You want to address the reason you wake up to begin with. That's how you deal with that problem. So, you know, we can put you in a coma <laughs> and you can sleep through all of those alerts that's going off in your body. You won't wake up, but that's not holistic and it's not addressing the actual problem. And therapies that are strong enough to do that aren't good for you long term, you know, natural or not. So if you wake up, the best that you can do, and my supplement strategy for sleep, is to take something super gentle and super subtle. And it helps you just kind of gently fall back asleep. It calms your mind, calms your body, and just kind of nudges you into sleep. It needs to be short acting. So if you have to take it in the middle of the night to fall back asleep and you have to get up in three or four hours, you can do so without a horrible hangover effect. You know, just imagine taking an Ambien or a Valium that has like freaking half-life of like days, right? You take that at three in the morning and you expect to, you know, get up at six or seven. Those drugs are going to be in your body for six to eight hours, right? So if your alarm goes off, you're going to be in trouble. And... You know, you definitely shouldn't be driving. Make sure there's public transport in your city. Um, you know, so we think of sleep support therapies, natural and conventional, in a very, very wrong way. And so what's the right way to think about it? So my favorite option to help us with sleep is CBD. It's a tool that we never had before. And there's a pile of data coming now that grows larger over time that's showing us how good the CBD is for sleep especially. And how it decreases the use of those harmful benzodiazepines and those multiple sleep medications, right? It's awesome because it works quickly. You dissolve it on your tongue. That's the best way to use it, by the way. And you'll feel it in about 15 minutes. It's short acting. It's in and out, just like we need it to be for sleep support. And you can really, really dial in your dose, man. You can figure out what dose works for you, and then you know where you're at, right? So this is what normally works for me under normal circumstances. Tonight, I need to sleep. Let's pump up the volume. Yeah, you know what? I need a little bit of help sleeping, but not as much as normal. So I'm just going to dial it back a little bit. It's really great how you can titrate the effect to exactly what you need. And so I'm going to almost definitely cover CBD on another episode, but you know, Again, ideally, sleep therapy isn't something that knocks you out in the middle of the night and keeps you dead until you wake up perfectly in the morning because that's dangerous for a number of reasons. The ideal sleep therapy is quick-acting and short-lived. And often, it's flying solo. Too often, I see people with cocktails of sleep products. I sell combination sleep products. It's 
very popular. People love that idea. More is better in our mentality, right? We need to break that, right? I see people that are like, I got magnesium and then I got my valerian. I'll use CBD. If those two don't really do it, then I have the Sleep Master 3000. If I wake up in the middle of the night, that is wrong. We have to be strategic with our supplements as we talk about here. What's the right product for me? What's the right way to take it? What dose should I be looking for? And what should I be expecting? And how long does it take for that expectation to become true? And what if I don't get the results I'm expecting? How should I act? How should I change my strategy to be better? You know, if it, it's wrong and it's dangerous to do too many of these things at once, right? Piling on sedatives is what got lots of people in trouble. There was a number of celebrities that have died over the last decade because they're just a little too aggressive on all the sedatives, and a lot of those were over-the-counter, right? More isn't better. Better is better, and that may mean dropping something that isn't working as you'd expect it. So when it comes to the sleep supplements, simplifying that matters most, reducing it down to one thing that you know you can dial in to get the effects that you want. And the effects that you really want aren't zonking you out, but instead gently nudging you into sleep and then getting out of your body so that way you can wake up feeling refreshed. All right, so let's take all this stuff together. I'm here to help you simplify your sleep, and I hope I've done that here with today's episode. So how do we do that? There's probably around six steps that you can take to simplify your sleep, at least from what we've covered. <laughs> so first, take all the pressure off, right? Your sleep stinks? Great. Let's fix it. No judgment. It is fixable. You're not broken. There's nothing wrong with you. Second, ignore the gimmicks, the trends, the monitors, the devices. You aren't a score. And sometimes you're a 70, sometimes you're a 90, right? You're a 10 in my eyes. You're a 10 that make all the other 10s look like a 9. <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it's all a way to overcomplicate and obsess over something that should be simple, right? So number three, to fall asleep, you need a calm mind, a calm body, and a comfortable environment. And four, if you're waking up in the middle of the night, there's normally something that's causing that. So explore that and address it to finally and permanently, at least close to it, solve that problem. Five, if you do need help falling asleep and you're looking for options, you've got plenty. There's lots of stuff out there. But the best sleep support therapy is going to be subtle. It's going to be quick acting, but also short acting. And it's going to get in and out of your body and prevent any of those hangover effects that we can experience. And it's never five things. Combination sleep products should be avoided if you can, right? If you need them, fine, but let's make it one combination and like really dial that in right? And six, please skip the melatonin, right? That's not for you. It's not for most of us. It's not that smart. So I hope that this episode has flipped your perceptions of sleep and sleep support products upside down. Visit woodstockvitamins.com for more content on the subject, including very soon, our holistic care guide to sleep. Ooh, that's coming out soon. And I've got a couple of other sleep articles on drneilsmoller.com, including the link to the podcast where we had that interview with Dr. Neil Stanley. And hopefully we'll have him back on this one. So that does it for this week's episode. Take a few minutes, give us a five-star review, and share the podcast to your social feeds. Visit wellnessupsidedown.com for all things podcast-related. And remember, being our healthiest starts with being honest about ourselves and the health and wellness industry. 
than blazing a new path, marching forward one step at a time. I'm Dr. Neil Smoller, and I've got your back. Thanks for joining me.